0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 12th and final round.
1: Episode 74, right, Mike? Episode 74 of the last round. Um uh, That's it. Mike's been Mike's been doing this, what, the last two weeks alone, because of all that's kind of going on. We've been trying to be a little bit uh I guess responsible. Is that is that a good appropriate word, Mike? What do you think? Yeah, sticking to those uh, California social distancing laws. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, hopefully, hopefully this is all kind of ends very soon and, and and you know i mean it's it's getting seems like it's getting worse and worse by the day just you know especially if you watch watched in the news if you're a news junkie um but we're here again uh i'm back i know mike's been running solo the last couple of weeks with some guests but uh we're back as a team here um here on the last round so we appreciate you uh, listening whether you're listening on apple podcast spotify stitcher um or boxing social youtube uh we just recently Jumped on a partnership with them. So we appreciate that. Um, and this week we have another guest, uh, not in studio because actually we're doing this remotely, um, but we have a, a guest joining us um, from New York city. He's actually in, he's actually from Brooklyn. Um, I'm, I'm sure boxing fans know exactly who he is. Um, Cause he's always front and center at a lot of fights. Um, it's him, Jimmy Lennon, Jr. Michael Buffer, would you say Mike are the three main announcers in the game today in terms of today? Boxing? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So David Diamante is joining us this week. Thanks a lot for joining us, David. Guys, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, uh, just right off the bat, you know, how, how are you, how are you dealing with what's going on right here and in, in, in the world and, and with no, with no boxing?
0: Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, The first thing I want to say is just you know, feeling for the people that are going through a hard time with this whole coronavirus and the COVID-19 situation. um, I myself personally know at least five people that have passed um, and some people that are pretty close to me. So uh, I I understand the pain and and I know what it's about. Um, A lot of my friends uh, are sick with this here in New York. Um, So I know that this is real and people are going through it. So... First and foremost is, is about people's health. So I, I hope everyone's doing okay around the country, around the world. Um, but that being said, we're here to talk about boxing. So uh, it's, you know, obviously we had a massive 2020 lined up and that's all being put on hold. Um, but I expect that like when this thing does, you know, open back up, the floodgates are going to open. We're going to have a lot of a great fights. So hopefully we'll do that. I think this is a great time that people can, can – uh, maybe catch up on on some old fights there's always so many great old fights to watch and there's, there's there's never a dull moment there's a lot of stuff to go back and catch up on
1: absolutely absolutely and you're right you know obviously our thoughts are with um all the families and and, and people affected you know by this horrible disease and you know we hope uh we hope there's light at the end of the tunnel Sooner rather than later, but like you said, we're here to talk about some boxing. Uh, we know in, in previous interviews, uh, obviously you've talked about how you came into the sport, how you came in as an announcer, your career, how you got into it um, but for our audience or some of the maybe the fans who are listening to this episode right now who aren't aware of your trajectory into in in your career into the sport. Um, can you just kind of give us an overview from the beginning, how, why you wanted to become an announcer and and what brought you into the sport?
2: Well,
0: you know, I always loved boxing and, uh, I used to box uh, myself. Um, and I figured I'd be a better announcer and I think I was right. (laughs) I think that's, that's, that's what I'm better at. Uh, uh, being in the ring is a great thing, but uh, I think I'm better with the mic than with the gloves. So, um, you know, um, but I have a lot of respect for the fighters, um, you know, after after having uh, moved around the ring a bunch and, um, you know, trained at different gyms. And, and I lived out in California for a long time. I used to train out uh, at King's Gym in East Oakland. Um, and then I trained at Grinelli's and I trained at a bunch of different gyms uh, out there. And then, of course, here uh, on the East Coast, too. And so um, I, I had a background in music You know, I was a professional drummer. Um, I was a DJ at a radio station for a lot of years, like back in the day. I did a lot of different different things with kind of entertainment and knowing boxing and loving boxing. Um, it was really one of those situations where I was I, I always loved, I literally thought to myself one day, what's the best job in the world? Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, being a ring announcer, that's gotta be the best job ever. And I always loved the pageantry of, you know. Ed Darien and Mark Biro and Johnny Addy and all the old school announcers, you know, Chuck Hull and just seeing these guys. I just loved the old school announcers. And um, I thought, that hey, that's a great gig. And I get to it's basically, you know, just getting where you fit in. Right. Like
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: it's like playing a game of dominoes, getting where you <laughs> fit in and, and figure out like, you know, what, what you're good at. And I was I was always good with talking, um, never worried about, talking in front of crowds uh, and I was on, you know, on the mic in in studios and in nightclubs and I knew a lot about boxing. So I just kind of put it together and that's what I decided to do. But to be really honest, I never made any money doing it. It wasn't, I didn't do it as a career. It was just something to do for fun because uh, I was actually uh, having a really successful career as a DJ and I was doing very well. So I didn't need to make money. um, And I never thought, that I would even be put on TV because my dreads, you know, I've been growing my dreadlocks for, <laughs> I haven't cut my hair since 1988. Oh, wow. So, actually, <laughs> speak, speaking of 88, I haven't cut my hair since 88, but you guys' show is called The Last Round, right? Right. So, yes. And the last, you know, the last round of boxing is obviously the 12th and final round. Mm-hmm. But 88 was when it switched from 15 rounds.
1: mm. That's <laughs> right. So yeah.
0: I, I it's just a little thing I'll just throw
1: right in. That's there, right. Anyway. No, no. Yeah, that, that we've never we've never put two and two together like that, you know. That's true. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's that yeah. a good segue. Anyway, I like it. <laughs> but,
0: so 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 anyway, but 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 back to the story, like I uh you know, I have these long dreadlocks and I just figured, you know, they'll never put me on TV uh, you know, with hair like this. So and I didn't care. I didn't do it for for that. I did it for the love of the sport. And I, I worked in the amateurs for many years here in New York. Um, you know, I did the, the PALs and the golden gloves and the metros. And I mean, I just did, I did so many different amateur tournaments and fights and I did it for years. And, um, and then all of a sudden it just, it just blew up and it was crazy because once I got to the big stage, like all these people were like, yo, this guy's great. And I'm like, really? Okay, cool. I mean, (laughs) but, but I had so many relationships with so many people in, in boxing because we were like a family, like I I've been doing it for so long that the, the trainers, the cup men, the cornermen, the timekeepers, the refs, the doctors, the commissions, like you you know everybody mm-hmm. because you work with them and you travel around and it's just what it was. So um I had those relationships for, for so long and it uh it was a great thing. It was a great thing. So that's really how it happened and it just and it sprouted and then of course um Jay Z chose me to be the voice of the Brooklyn Nets which was amazing. So, uh, I did that for six seasons. I called the NBA also, but it was hard for me because, you know, my first passion and my first love is really boxing. And there mm-hmm. were, a, and at this point my profile was getting a lot higher and I was getting offered a lot of very big fights and I had to turn a lot of stuff down because of the NBA. So when it came time to re-up my contract, I decided to, uh, to go with the boxing instead. And that's what I did. And now obviously I'm signed with, uh, Eddie Hearn and Matchroom, and we do the fights on DAZN and Sky Sports, and we're all over the world.
2: Uh, David, you have an interesting story on how you actually became uh, the voice of the Brooklyn Mets, as well. You beat off four hundred people, I believe. Yeah, yeah. There was uh,
1: what?
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there was. uh, Well, yeah, it was a big deal when the when the Nets were coming to New York. They were looking for a new voice, and so they did this open audition. And, uh, over 400 people came out and and I was the last man standing. So, um, but I mean, I felt, I felt for sure like this is my gig, Mm -hmm. you know, because, and and, like, it's not that I don't love basketball. I love basketball. And especially now, obviously I I know a lot about it and being in, in the NBA, um, my love for the sport grew a lot deeper and I ended up learning a ton, you know, and I met some wonderful, wonderful people over the years, but. It was my love of, of Brooklyn and the fact that it was the first sports team coming since since the Dodgers left and went out to Los mm-hmm. Angeles where you guys are. Right. And it was just one of those things and it was like an historic thing. And I, I thought, you know, to be able to represent my borough, my my town, that would be a great thing. And 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 it was, and it was great. And and I was also the voice of the Barclays Center. So we did so many great fights at the Barclays. And that was at the time when the Barclays really became the premier venue in the world for boxing. You know, mm-hmm. I would say it's probably not that anymore. Now it's going a lot back to the Garden, the O2. I mean, there's all, all kinds of different different venues around the world. Now they're doing a lot of great fights. But at the time, Barclays was like on fire. I mean, we mm-hmm. were doing so many fights. So uh, it was a great time.
1: So you, so, you, so David, you mentioned you beat out 400 people, and Mike mentioned it as well. And you also mentioned, obviously, a lot of people. I mean, boxing fans who aren't familiar with the NBA especially the Brooklyn Nets uh, Jay-z is an owner I'm not sure if he's like a part owner or, or sole owner but I know he's involved somehow um, can you t- can you tell us the first time that you were able to meet him and what he told you like was I'm, I'm assuming he was he was aware of your work by that point well,
0: well I' met Jay-Z way before uh, I ever uh, worked for the Nets so uh you know I'm a Brooklyn cat so um mm-hmm. but but it's just you know he, he he's not an owner anymore. Um, you know he's got Rock Nation Sports, so that's a a um, that's a uh, what is it, a conflict of interest, right? You can't be right. an, owner, an agent, so mm-hmm. he had to sell his stake. He was a minority share owner, but the thing about what he did was big for the borough because he was uh, a big a big mouthpiece for Brooklyn, and he he really supported the borough, and he was a big deal in getting the Nets uh, over here. And at the time, it was Brett Ratner was uh, or, or Bruce Ratner was the owner and, um, and Mikhail Prokhorov. Uh, so it was, it was a really big deal. Now I think Joe Tsai is the owner of the Nets. Um, I'm, I'll, I'm, I'm not with the team anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. neither is he, but, um, you know, I was able to do work with rock nation sports too, when, when they were doing their boxing stuff. So, um, yeah.
1: David, what would you say that, 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 I mean, cause obviously you've been a, you've done DJ and you know, DJ gigs, boxing, NBA. Um, and wh- who would you say, or what, or what field would you say would be the weirdest, uh, type of field that somebody's approached you to announce for them, whether it was an event or, or, or what have you?
0: That's funny. That's a funny question. I like that question. Um, <laughs> uh, what have I announced? That's really funny. Well, I've done, I, I've done some work with, uh, this, there's a, like a calisthenics thing called the, uh, what is it? The uh, the ultimate fitness league, the UFL, uh-huh. yeah, ultimate fitness league. So, but these guys are incredible, man. They're doing like pull ups and and all kinds of great calisthenics. So I've done that, and I mean I've announced a lot of stuff. I've been uh, asked to announce tennis. Um, you know, I also I hosted a show on NBC. So I, some people don't know that, but I had a TV show also. Uh, it was called The Lights, um, which is short for the highlights. Mm-hmm. And so basically, what we did was. Uh, I say we. It was you know it was my show. I was the host. So basically, mm-hmm. it was it was NBC's version of Sports Center, and oh, wow. the whole idea. It was a twenty minute show, and it ran three times uh, every hour. So they'd run it back to back to back to back, and um, uh, basically, it was like we'd hit every sport, like everything that happened in major sports. So basically, when you're shaving, when you're showering, when you're getting ready for work, you can just catch all the highlights of the show. But it was a TV show, so we had it. It was like Sports Center without the fluff, without the jokes. Right. Um, and I did that for a year. We shot it for a whole year, so we, we shot a lot of episodes. You know, over 200 episodes. Um, and it was great. Um, and but the NBC Sports Network, they they decided to you know go in a different direction with that show. That they, they well they didn't they they cut the show not mm. because it was it had good reviews. But they just – they didn't – at the time, they they bought the Versus Network, which was like the OLN network. And they had a lot of like uh, – they had some crazy stuff on there. Like the, they had old contracts like fishing shows and hunting shows. And then I used to come on uh, right after the Dan Patrick show. Oh, so, wow. Uh, or I think it was before the Dan Patrick show. So, yeah, it was cool. I mean it, it was a lot of fun. So you never know. But uh, I've announced quite a few things.
1: So you've you've dipped your, your hand in – Multiple different things that I'm sure a lot of, at least a lot of boxing fans aren't aware. I mean, you, or you were a DJ, Brooklyn Nets, boxing, NBC Sports. I mean, I mean, what what's what's next?
0: Well, to be honest with you, I
1: mean, you know, there's been a
0: lot more than that too. Um, you know, I, I also own um, Diamante's Brooklyn Cigar Lounge here in Brooklyn, right? So I right. got my own line of cigars. Um, but that's to be honest with you, I'm really trying to hone strictly on boxing now Mm -hmm. you know um I mean I'm open I'm I'm into doing uh, different things but boxing really is my passion and I want to stay true to that and that's what I've been doing and you know just like this last couple years um with zone and with Matchroom have really been a dream I mean I've been announcing fights all over the world from all across the United States and Mexico Spain Italy um germany russia saudi arabia monaco italy uh all through the uk i mean we do fights all across the uk um i don't think fans really understand how often i'm over there mm-hmm. um you know we're doing birmingham we're doing newcastle we're doing london um we're doing liverpool um you know sheffield uh, there's just so many great towns over there and, and the fans are incredible and doing a lot of a lot of great fights in the UK and, and the, the, the boxing scene over there is buzzing, you know. Right. Um, and the fans are really knowledgeable. So it's been great to just, because that's one thing I really love also about about our sport is it's a worldwide sport. Um, so it's great to be able to go around the world and connect with the fans around the world and to be able to do all those fights. So that's really my future I think is, is just being the voice of boxing. You know, really being mm-hmm. the voice of boxing. Because I, I feel like it's really important that we have our sport is, you know, the people like, like you two and like me and and like the people listening, because you're not going to be listening to this unless you're not a diehard fan. Right. It's like, we are, you know, we're a niche sport and we got to have people to prop our sport up and, and to, to be, you know, flag bearers and to wave the flag for our sport. and, And hopefully I can be that, you know, um, and to just uh, try to carry it to the next generation.
1: So, David, you mentioned uh, uh, the Brooklyn Cigar Lounge that, that you own, and you're obviously a big uh, big fan of cigars. Um, and this just kind of popped into my head. Is there any one fighter or one boxing personality in the sport that's a big cigar fan, just as much as you are, and you've had conversations with them about different types of cigars or they maybe come to your cigar lounge?
0: Oh, man, a ton of them. I mean, all the way going back to Burt Sugar to, you know, wow. James James Buddy McGirt. To, there's ton, tons, you know, Ronaldo Snipes and just so many different guys. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, I just shut down my, my spot in Brooklyn because I had it for, for over 10 years. It was there for mm. 10 years. I shut it down. And I was just about to open a new spot right next to Madison Square Garden. Wow. And the, the, we were literally in a lease negotiation when this whole lockdown happened. Oh. And we, we're, we put it on hold. So we'll see what happens. But um, right now, you know, to be honest with you, it's just, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we need to wait to see with the economy. But um, right now, that's, that's put on hold. So it's strictly boxing, man. Strictly boxing.
1: Did, or one, one more, mic. David. When, when were you told uh, by like the zone, like by the the zone brass or, or anything, uh, that you know that you know that operations were going to cease for the time being, or, or did you? I mean, obviously, everybody saw it like on the news, and you could kind of see the writing on the wall. But when did the zone kind of let you know, like, hey, you know what, we're going to just have to wait this out and, and get back on our feet when we can?
0: Well, to be honest with you, I know that there. Their whole uh, stance is the health of the the fighters and the people that are involved. So, um, we did a fight uh, in England. I did a fight. What what fight was that? I can't even remember now. I did a fight um, in Manchester um, not too long ago. It was last month. And when I came back,
2: so we did a fight.
0: We did a fight in Texas. So we had the we had the the fight in Texas uh, in Frisco. That was the Mikey Garcia fight and Jesse Vargas. And then I flew out to Manchester and I did the fight out there, and then I flew home, and that's when things started getting squirrely, and I was like, "All right, this is going to get weird and it was just everyone's just kind of put on hold, and I think what really did it was when the British Boxing Board of Control said, "Okay, look, you know, um this is when events have to get shut down and then then it was then it was like a hundred percent, but you know we were all kind of holding out hope that maybe you know this wasn't going to be as bad as as people thought or maybe would you know start to subside or something like that but um i think once once the governing bodies were saying hey listen this is this is going to have to shut down i think we all knew the writing was on the wall and also the pro gray hooker fight uh at the mgm that got that got postponed also
1: i know that's that's yeah. I, I mean i hope that's still that fight is still you know going to happen cuz that that that's that's going to be an exciting fight program hooker that's gonna be a great fight um mike uh, you had something
2: i was just gonna say uh, david what do you think distinguishes you in your field because obviously you got selected to work for top rank room golden boy you also announced for the world boxing super series
0: yeah um yeah i mean shoot i've i've announced for a lot of different promoters around the world um and it's it's been a it's been a wonderful experience um But I think a lot of different things distinguish me. Um, I I think that um, obviously my look, uh, I think my voice, but I think it's probably none of that that is the most important. I think a lot of it has to do with what I hope is the passion because, um, you know, when I'm announcing a fight, I I can't explain enough how, like, I'm so excited to, to be doing it and to be there. Um, again, like, I think there's a difference when people get into something for the money or they get into it for the fame, you know, that's fine. There's nothing against that, but, you know, my motivation in in getting into boxing was never any of that at all. And it's just kind of happened, but it's because I really, truly love it. You know, like anyone knows me. I mean, I've been watching fights since I've been a little kid. So, and, you know... (laughs) I don't like to call myself a boxing historian, but a lot of people have called me that. You know, I mean, I'm really into the game. I'm really into the old fights, the new fights and everything in between. Um, This sport fascinates me on a level that very few things can. And, you know, I'm a guy I travel. I travel vastly throughout the world, not not just for the boxing, but as a traveler. Um, Been to many countries around the world. And I see a lot of things, but boxing still fascinates me. It's so brutally beautiful. I mean, it's a, our sport is, is horrific in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it's so beautiful in a lot of ways. It's, it's, a, really, uh, it's a really incredible thing. And um, that's why I'm just fascinated with it. And so when I'm announcing a fight, I'm hoping that my passion comes through and the fans get a little bit about what I feel when I'm in there. And I think that's what makes me a great announcer. It's just, it's just the passion, you know? Uh,
2: how is it you actually prepare for the events? Do you like write down the people's names, listen to them, pre- understand the pronunciation?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. You know, it's funny. Like Talking about like a guy like Jay Z or, or his wife Beyonce, you know, all these kids want to be rappers or, or singers <laughs> or dancers or they want to be a, a, a football player, basketball player, a boxer, a ring announcer, whatever they want to be, because they see it looks it looks easy, right? Like it looks like you just kind of go in there and you just kind of talk and boom, 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 right? Like all Jay Z does is go up there and he just raps, right? <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see and. To be honest, I I personally don't don't want them to necessarily see that. I want them to think it's so smooth and so easy and that I just go in there and just boom, it just comes off. They don't need to see that. But the truth of the matter is in anything you do, you know, you got to show up early and leave late and you got to bust your ass because there's there's always someone out there that's hungrier and harder and wants to do it. And so you know, you got to really be the top of your game. And to me, like living in a place like New York City, one thing I love is like cream always rises to the top. And so it's like everything from, you know, the clothes that I wear to the preparation and the preparation could be watching tons of different fights, talking to different people, getting pronunciations, learning different languages. I mean, it's basically like, it's basically like, you know, you've got like this, Freaking utility belt on with all these skills that you've learned throughout your life, and that's what comes into it. I mean, even with the audio stuff, you know, being a DJ in a club and being uh, in recording in, in in music studios and running light systems and doing live events all around the world and in nightclubs all across the country. These are all things and all skills that have come into effect. And being being a cat, being able to land on your feet at all times because. I can't tell you how many times and, you know, I'll be doing an event and behind the curtain is like this massive forest fire, you know, and people have no idea. But I step out on the stage and I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, good evening <laughs> and welcome. And, you know, it's smooth as butter. And people are like, everything's fine. Like no one has an idea of the forest fires going on behind the stage. They have no idea. That <laughs> it's a complete shit show. But they don't yeah. have to know that. Because I'm the catalyst, you know, between the crowd and the audience and the promoter. So no matter what happens, I need to be smooth. So it's like always about wearing my belt and my suspenders. It's really similar to like being a fighter. I always say this, like, you know, a fight is won very far away from the bright lights. By the time you get into the ring to fight, that's the easy part. You just went through months of rigorous training and sparring and diet and, I mean, just horrific conditions you just want that fight to happen, mm-hmm. and it's it's very similar to being uh, a ring announcer on a on a very different level. Obviously, physically, but the preparation um, you've got to be you've got to go over everything you know a hundred times, and then that, that way you, when you go in, it's just completely smooth. Um, so uh, so yeah, and and sometimes you can't do that. So by having this many years of experience, you're able to be. You, you're able to be to be able to do things on the fly you know because like i'll be i'll step into the ring and i'll literally sometimes get a sponsor handed to me at the very last second i've had fighters change fights change the last second and you have to go in there and smile and just be smooth about it
2: what, what would you say is the most difficult thing about sports announcing
0: well it's it's just to me there's a ton of difficult stuff about it but it's not difficult if you love it that's why you know, it's very. it all sounds very cliche. People are like, oh, you know, follow your passion and do what you're passionate about. But it's really kind of true because for me, like in my off time, like I'm watching fights. I'm talking to fighters like I'm doing things that involve boxing, not because it's my work. It's because I love it. And the schedule that I've had the last couple of years. I mean, if people even saw my flight itineraries and the amount of times I've crossed <laughs> the ocean, They'd literally think I was a, a, a crazy man, but and there, people always ask me, they're like, "How do you do that? Like, how like how do you do that? You know, I'm in Bogota, Colombia. I fly up to Texas th- that same day. I'm in San Diego. Then I'm down to Tijuana. Then I'm flying out to to um, uh, you know, d- just there, there's uh, crazy itineraries that I've done, but I'm fine. I love it because it's like, dude, I'm sitting ringside at the fights. Like yeah. I'm I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm with the fighters. I'm, I'm watching these fights. I'm involved with this stuff. And, you know, what I love about it, you know, I'm like a really big movie buff also. I'm really into film. And to me, what makes a great film is, is character development, right? It's like building up stories. So you could have like a great film with all these like big explosions, but if you don't know who the people in the film are, you don't, you don't, you don't really care. So it's the same in boxing. Like, if you don't know who these fighters are you don't know like their backstories you know that that maybe like you know what happened to them when they were growing up or maybe God forbid they lost a child or maybe they're they're in these these dire predicaments you know and you're see so you understand like the context of the fights and you understand the trajectories of these men's lives these women's lives of these fights and that's what makes it so so interesting to me it's not just about to two people punching each other it's it's so much more right it's like Mm. baseball like you know you can watch baseball and think oh this is boring but do you see that like the groundskeeper at that park cuts the grass a little bit you know he lets the grass grow a little bit longer to like keep the ground balls from slowing down because that that team seems to hit a lot (laughs) more grounders or the third base coach (laughs) is throwing this signal to this guy or you know like the the battles between the pitcher and the, and the, and the batter, like the guy changing his gloves and the guy stepping off the rubber. So they're trying to, there's all these like different battles happening in sports that make things so much more interesting when you know the full story. Right. And for me, that's boxing is just like the ultimate, you know, it's boxing's the truth, man. You know, boxing's the fucking truth, no matter what. And, 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 and that's it. That's why it's just so exciting for me.
1: What do you think about the debate between like MMA enthusiasts and boxing enthusiasts? Can you think you know? Do do you think those those opinions are misguided in terms of people who say like, oh, "boxing sucks, MMA is where it's at," or vice versa? I do. I think it's stupid because I like
0: both. I mean, I like any combat sport, and I'm also really into Muay Thai. Um, I think Muay Thai is is an incredible sport. It's incredibly difficult, and those fighters are warriors. and I mean MMA is absolutely amazing also but you know first of all to me obviously I'm a number one, I'm a boxing fan number 1 it's just it's the sweet science is where it's at for me but I mean mixed martial arts is amazing and why would you like I don't think that you have to be a fan of one or the other per se but it's it's kind of like American football versus rugby people think like you can only like one but I love rugby too. They're different sports. You know, they Mm. look similar, but they're very different. Um, So, and obviously like a lot of uh, boxing guys uh, or a lot of MMA guys, you know, want to learn boxing because they want to, you know, do better with their stand up. But those skills are, you know, they can help you somewhat. But MMA is such a different beast because guys can shoot on you. Guys can kick. So there's a lot of different skills. I think, to be honest with you, um you know Muay Thai is really the best stand up art as far as in a in a in a street fight or in a cage um but you need you need you got to have hands too so i mean boxing always has the great stuff and that's where it all comes from uh it comes from boxing also but um i don't see why you can't love both
2: david what's your thoughts on the ufc coming back in uh 2 weeks with uh with an event with no crowd and and if asked would you work an event like that In this current climate,
0: you know, it's interesting. I I would have to um, see what their thoughts are behind it and what the officials say. Again, like people are in certain jobs because they're hopefully they're good at it. Um, You know, I'm not a government official. I don't make policy. So if the doctors, you know, because you got to remember, um, there are a lot of people in close proximity. You're not going to have a referee with a with a with a N95 mask on. Or the boxes aren't going to have masks on, so there's going to be, there's going to be fluids flying around. There's droplets, as they call them. there will be a lot of droplets, right? I've been hit by a lot of droplets in my time <laughs> <sitting> ringside. <laughs> my 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 dry cleaner, you know, <laughs> has made a lot of money off me with blood stains on my suits. Um, but God forbid one of these fighters has to go to the hospital, you know. And then there's let's say uh, patients dealing with COVID these are all things that, that they have to figure out. So I'm not, you know, a guy that's in a policymaking position for that. I'm not a politician. I'm not a a government official. So, I mean, look, have voice will travel. Like if they call me, I'm going, but um, (laughs) you know, it's, it's really whatever they decide is fine with me, but um, hopefully they know, they know the best. Like I'm not a doctor. I'm not a politician. I don't know. So I'm doing whatever they think is best. You know, if they say stay home, that's what I'm doing. I'm staying home right now.
1: David, you know, based on, on on your experience within the sport for so many years and just being around all this stuff for so many years, um, especially, if, obviously, at the UFC, it seems like they're going to go forward with this uh, no-crowd fight um, in a couple weeks, um, and then also professional wrestling. The WWE um, has been holding uh, their professional wrestling events in front of no crowd. Um, when do you think for boxing, when do you think that like the breaking point would be Would be in terms of where like the executives at the zone, for example, would say, you know what, like it's been three, four months and this thing doesn't seem like it's going to slow down. We're just going to have to go do it in in front of no crowds. When do you think that point would be on your personal from your personal opinion?
0: Well, I think right now we've got a fight scheduled July 4th uh, in England. Um, so we'll see if that sticks. But again, to me is no, not really reason to speculate because this thing seems to just move so fast. And like, you know, uh, as Dr. Fauci says that the disease makes the timeline, not us. So, you know, right now, um, you know, I'm in New York city and we're having a really tough time right now. There's a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people sick and a lot of people, uh, losing their lives. And, um, you know, again, I also just want to give a huge shout out to all the, the people on the front lines, the doctors, the nurses, all the people that are staying open and serving food to people and bringing packages. And there's a lot of people like, you know, the bus drivers The, the there's a lot of people doing a lot of tough stuff right now. So really hats off to them. Um, you know, they're, they're putting themselves in, in harm's way uh, to make life easier for a lot of people. And, and uh, just shout out to them. But, you know, I don't know. It's, it's really about the disease and, and when or the virus and, and when the, the timeline happens. So hopefully, you know, this, this social distancing stuff, um, works and it, and it flattens the curve as they say. And, um, and hopefully they, they come up with some type of, uh, of a vaccine or something and, and we can get back to, to, to life as we know it. But, um, I think obviously things are probably going to be changed a bit when we come back, but who knows, who knows how it's going to, how it's going to be changed. But, um, you know i just want people to stay safe and and i hope we can get back as soon as possible because i know we're all we're all itching and and you got to imagine like you got to hearts go out also to these fighters who have been training and like this is how they make their living man and they um these guys were like psyched up for these fights and now all of a sudden it's like the plug is pulled and now they but they still got to stay in shape because you could get a call any day it's a very difficult position to be in so that's that's tough for them too
1: David, who are you, who are some of your, uh, uh, I mean, if you can divulge uh, who are some of your favorite fighters at the moment? Um, you know, especially the, the younger fighters, maybe like a Devin Haney who are world champions or something like that. Like who are, who do you see as like kind of being the man or, or, or one of the top, you know, top champs in the sport for years to come?
0: You know, I think there's some, some really promising young fighters out there. Um, You know, we've got the light heavyweight Joshua Bulwazi in the U.K., who's been looking very promising. Obviously, Devin Haney's looking amazing. Tiafimo Lopez is looking great. Um, Shakur Stevenson, you know, has been on fire. Um, Muradjan Akhmadaliev. So many great young fighters um, that are coming up. So I I think the sport's in in a good position right now. Um, A lot of of, of good young fighters out there. you know, Boots Ennis looks great. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good guys out there. A lot of, a lot of young, young talent. So we'll see, man. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see, uh, excited to see the future.
2: David, do you think we'll see fighters take the big fights and less warm-up fights due to them losing out on money? And obviously some of them have lost out on six months of their short careers.
0: I hope so. I hope so. You know, it's, it's funny. It's like, you know it's not always about the fight. it's not always the fighter's decision you know sometimes it's about the promoters too um and it's also about their their managers and about their trainers their handlers so they don't always make all the decision i mean i like to think that you know fighters are just that they're fighters and especially a prize fighter right that's kind of what a prize fighter means it's like guy says uh, you can fight A, B, or C, and the fighter's like, "Well, who's going to give me the most money?" And he's like, "This guy. That's who you go with. You're a prize fighter. You want the biggest prize." Um, and you you look back at at certain times in boxing, and it it's like you had guys that almost more. Of course, they they fought for for the money, but but there was a lot more than about that. Like you know, the the late '70s and early '80s, the light heavyweight division with guys like. You know, Dwight Muhammad Cowie and and, uh, Matthew Saab Muhammad and Eddie Mustafa Muhammad and Marvin Johnson and Yaqui Lopez and Michael Spinks and Victor Galindez and um, just all kinds of incredible guys. You know, it, these guys, they all fought each other and it was a brutal, brutal time for that division. You know, Johnny and Eddie Davis, Mike Rossman, I mean, all kinds of different guys. And, um, they had every different style, every different type of thing. And, and, you know, a bunch of them got into the hall of fame. Um, mm-hmm. but, but we're living in a different era of boxing and you do see some guys that are like that, but right now that the sport really has become a lot more about a business and we put, but that being said, we still do have those great cracking fights. Um, and, uh, as as fight fans listening you guys know because you guys have seen them you know they're not always the the ones that the top ones on pay-per-view per se but sometimes they're the club fights there's there's great club fights that happen too
2: talking about cracking fights we were ringside and i know you were announcing a fight last year where it kind of kicked off uh, chavez and jacobs i was just wondering what went through your mind when you announced the winner and then all the beer and the shoes and stuff came flying into the ring
0: I mean listen, I've I used to work as a, a bouncer in, in nightclubs and uh I did. I did I did it for years. And uh I mean I remember one one time I was uh there's a, a punk rock band called Beer and the singer Lee Ving, he was on stage and it used to be the thing back in the day, everyone used to spit on Lee Ving. He was basically like you know, he was like, "All right, like I'm over that. If people spit on me, I'm not going to play." And this place was packed with like 1,200 punks and skinheads and metalheads, yeah. and and it was a powder keg waiting to waiting to go off. And he he got out there and like in the first song, like ten people hocked loogies on him, and he was like, <laughs> "Fuck!" And he was like, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." And he left, and the place just erupted in like a massive brawl. Like literally, like I worked this one club. Oh, my God. We the, the the police, the riot police had to shut down the whole block. I mean, me and my crew and my crew wasn't that big. We were in the middle of a massive gang fight. Um, I mean, I've seen I've seen 100 times worse, unfortunately. So, I mean, look, things happen. You know, I think I think. Chavez Sr.'s the picture of Chavez Sr. when he just kind of you know looked away that kind of said it all, right? I mean, you know, here's El Gran Campeon, El Leon de Culiacan, you know, and his son, you know, gets his nose broken and he and he decides to 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 quit on the stool. And the fans didn't like that. You know, they they came to support their charge and uh they didn't like that. And um so you know, it's boxing, like people want to see guys go out on their shield. But the other thing too, like fans don't realize, like I I like I was ringside, I mean. Yo, Chavez's nose like got it, it looked like it got exploded. Like he his nose definitely was broken. I mean, not that we haven't seen guys fight with broken ribs, broken hands, broken jaws, broken noses, broken orbital bones. I mean, we've seen we've seen guys do some incredible things, but um, you know, the fans didn't like that. So but yeah, no, I, I've seen worse.
2: When I was doing the research for today's podcast, I was looking obviously into your past and stuff like that. And, uh, I think I'm right in saying you also used to sh- uh, shovel snow when you were a pizza guy for jo- for a job.
0: Oh, I mean, I've been a bike messenger, a dishwasher, uh, <laughs> I worked in a factory. I worked in a chicken shack. Uh, I made pizza for years. Yeah. I, mean, I shoveled snow. I, I mowed lawns. I mean, I've done, I've done a lot of different stuff, you know, um, again, get in where you fit in, right? Like I was just trying to make a buck, you know? So, um, I, uh, yeah, I had a lot of jobs, man. Again, it's that it's that tool belt, right? That I was mm-hmm. talking about that that imaginary Batman belt that I wear. So I've done a lot of different jobs, and um, you know, I've been a bartender, a bar back. I mean, you know, when you got to change a keg or you got to you got to fill the ice machine, you know, like you don't realize the stuff that that a lot of people do unless you've done it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I was a fry cook on the line. Um, I just I did a lot of different stuff, man. Did a lot of jobs, got fired from a lot of jobs. Um you know, but uh but I I you know I never really took shit, man. I wasn't that guy. And uh and I wasn't and I wasn't gonna suck corporate cock, you know. I didn't wanna, yeah. I didn't wanna I didn't wanna I wasn't gonna cut my hair or do what I didn't want to do, you know. Like I'm me, like I gotta stay true to myself and that's what I always did. And um that's why it's so sweet to be where I am now because I did it my way. And um, and that's just what it is, you know. Um, you know. I just like to keep it real for for myself mainly, you know.
1: Was there ever anybody uh, who offered you a job or or a contract to do any type of announcing or anything, but they told you, but you have to cut your hair and you You declined it?
0: I don't think anyone's ever been that foolish.
1: (laughs) 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 I'm surprised. Uh, I thought somebody would have. What a, maybe I told you that once and, and no
0: know. but I, but but for sure but for sure I think that I think there's been some some people that didn't like my hair and <laughs> but again it's like I'm not for everybody like right. you know it's like boxing boxing's not for everybody like if you don't get it you don't get it if you don't like me kick rocks like that's cool like right. you know you can go your way like I'm not for everybody so you know if you get me if you know me if you follow the sport then you know what it is but if not like that's cool you know um you know people people might see me for the first time and think oh this guy's a hippie like no fucker, <laughs> I ain't no hippie, like you know what i mean <laughs> i'm not a hippie that's for sure but you know um it, it is what it is like i i just um i've always just kept it my style and again like i said i'm not for everybody but but the people that like me, they, they're they down for me, and I love that. And I appreciate the, spo- the support, all the people listening out there. Thank you for that.
2: David, once the coronavirus is all said and done, hopefully in, in a few months, uh, what fights are you looking forward to?
0: Oh, man, there's a ton. I mean, there's so many great fights. Um, look, first of all, there's a lot of guys out there uh, – we don't even know what the matchups are going to be now because so many different things are switching around. But obviously you got Josh was out there and Dillian White, and Derek, Derek Chisora. You got, you know, Wilder. You got Fury. <clears throat> we got Progray. We got Hooker. We got, still got Ramirez out there. You got Josh Taylor out there. Um, you got Inoue out there. Um, you got you got um, uh, Lomachenko still out there. Usyk still out there. Um, you got Teofimo Lopez, um, you got, there's some, Devin Haney's out there. Um, Davis is out there. There's so many great fights, you know, BJ Saunders, Demetrius Andrade, Canelo Alvarez. There's so many mixes and matches. Um, you know, let's just see, like, let's just have these fights. I mean, obviously Terrell's, you know, uh, Terrence, uh, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. Um, you know there's just all these fights, Manny Pacquiao still fighting. So there's so many great fights to be made coming up. Uh, there's no shortage of that. I mean, bro, straight up. If you look at, you look at the the landscape of boxing, I mean, it's just shark filled waters. I mean, yeah. there's so many great fighters, so many great fighters out there. Um, and, uh, and even in, in the cruiserweights too, with, you know, you got breeders and Dordicos and, and, uh, there's just a lot of great guys. the 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 light heavyweight division with Bivol and Patorbeev and and Vodzic and uh, you know Jean Pascal and Alvarez, you know Marcus Brown, um, do the super middles, you know um, Callum Smith obviously, um, uh, Sweet Hands Plant, you know um, Billy Joe Saunders, uh, David Benavidez, you know John Ryder had that great fight against uh, Callum Smith, you know Danny Jacobs is out there. Um, you got in the middleweights, obviously there's people are talking about triple G and Canelo again. Um, you got Jamal Charlo, There's so many, just great fights, you know, Chris Eubanks trying to, trying to get his way into the Canelo fight now saying, oh, you shouldn't fight Saunders and Saunders made that video with the domestic violence. So, you know, he got his license suspended, you know, there's still Jaime Munguia out there. Um, you know, junior middleweights, you got Jamal Charlo's there. Um, you know, J Rocks out there, um, Landy, Laura, Jared Hurd. Uh, there's so many great fighters, so many great uh, fights to be made, and and the welterweights, obviously, it's it's such a gem of of the division. And um, you know, Danny Garcia. Um, they're talking about you know possibly him fighting uh, uh, Errol Spence, and you know who who knows? I don't know what what all these fights are going to be. You know, Mikey Garcia's. Still trying to campaign at 147, so maybe he'll get one of those big fights. Mikey Garcia's—I I love, I love him. I don't know if I love him at 147 yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had that great win against Vargas, but um, you know, I love him uh, <clears throat> as, as a lightweight, maybe even at 140. But at 147, I'm still not 100% sold. But he is right. one of my favorite right. fighters. But speaking of 140, I mean, to me, that's got to be one of the hottest divisions, and to have a Ramirez Josh Taylor fight would just be the best obviously hooker and pro is a great fight. So those, those guys are amazing. Um, and 135, like, give me a break. Like you got Javante Davis, you got Lomachenko, you got Lopez, you got Luke Campbell. Um, you got, uh, um, Fortuna that still out there. Jorge Linares is still out there. You know, Lee Selby is, is we're going to, we're going to do a fight with Lee Selby, hopefully in, uh, in Wales. um, there's just a lot of different stuff. So, you know, there's, there's just great fights out there, man. Jojo Diaz just took the belt off Tevin Farmer right. um, uh, at, at Junior Lightweight. Um, there's just a lot of, so many great fights, man. You know, and the featherweights, the featherweights is a gift that always just keeps giving, man. You know, 126 pounds, man. You know, you got some great stuff going on. You know, Josh Warrington, you got Gary Russell Jr., Shakur Stevenson might be you know, it, one of the hottest young talents, you know, um, kid Galahad, like you got to have that Galahad's got to get that fight against Warrington. He's got to get the rematch, uh, uh, and, and Warrington just signed with, with, with Matram. So hopefully that'll happen, um, uh, whether it's in Leeds or whether it's in, in Sheffield. Um, I would love to see that, you know, Carl Frampton still out there. Um, there's just, just so many great fights, you know, um, yeah, I mean, we could go through the divisions and talk about it. Junior featherweight, you know, uh, super bantam. I mean, uh, MJ just just took the belt off Danny Roman, and maybe maybe he'll give him a a, a rematch, or maybe he'll fight Navarrete or Ray Vargas. Um, who knows, man? It's great great fights to be made.
2: As a boxing historian, is there anything that you'd like to achieve in terms of a boxing bucket list? You know, before you retire, like any. Uh, stadiums you'd like to announce? Any countries you'd like to work in?
0: Um, you know, to be honest with you, it's funny uh, that you asked that question. I I don't I don't ever have anything like that. Like, I mean, I've done I've done. I mean, there's always stuff that you want to do, right? There's always more stuff you want to do. But I mean, I've done. Madison Square Garden. I've done the O2. I've done, I've done. I think I've done the biggest venues in the world. You know, I've done the Olympic Stadium in Moscow. Um, we've done done the biggest ones. And and to me, the the one the one that I never got to do. I saw I saw fights there, but I never actually announced there. Was the Blue Horizon in Philly? Um, the legendary Blue Horizon. That was that was a place that I wish I could have announced at. I never announced there. Um, like I said, I saw fights there, but I never announced there. But but to me, like York Hall. Uh, in in London, that's like the blue horizon of England, and I've announced many mm. fights there. And and every time I'm in there, it's so funny because tons of people complain because <laughs> it's 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 an old beat up, you know, rickety spot, and there's no amenities at all. And everyone's like, "Fucking hell!" Like we got to be here <laughs> in this place, and and I'm just and I I couldn't be happier. I'm like I love announcing fights at your call because to me, I'm with the ghosts. You know, it's mm. like. Uh, i 'm just that type of dude, like when they tore down Yankee Stadium like mm-hmm. i just i didn 't get it, man, you know, yeah. like how are you going to do that and uh I like those old venues, so uh you know I just want to like I said, I just want to represent the sport the best way I can. I think that's the best way i mean the sport i mean i've done countless countless world title fights and i 've done Fights of the Year and things like that so i've'm you know I host the the New York State Boxing Hall of Fame, and I was just last year and uh, in the, the Canastota, uh, international boxing hall of fame parade. I had my own float, which was just, I couldn't believe, you know, that was such an honor. Um, I've hosted the boxing writers association of America dinner, the BWAA awards, uh, many years. So these are all things that, I mean, if you had told me this 20 years ago, when I started that that was going to happen, I mean, I would have, I would have never, ever believed you. Um, Yeah. So I've already by far way accomplished, over accomplished what I ever wanted to. So right now everything's just gravy, just being poured. It's just gravy on top of gravy. I'm just, I'm living, I'm living the dream, man. I mean, I really am. Um, I don't mean to sound all corny and, and, and shit, but I'm really living the dream. I love what I do. And I hope that translates to the fans. Um, And I don't really care about personal accolades like that. Like, It's not about me, you know, like it's about the fighters and it's about the fights. So hopefully I can add something to it, which is great. Um, And, and I think like sometimes, you know, I love, you know, one thing that I want to bring to it is just to bring awareness of like so many things that have happened in the past, because you get a lot of newbie fans, which is, which is great. I mean, I love that. God bless the new fans, but you want them to, to see like, there's so much that has happened before in the sport and there's so many stories that you can't even believe like things that like fights that if you if you go watch these fights and if you like know the history behind what happened like you can't believe this you know and you see a guy like mayweather said he's tbe the best ever i mean bro like i'm not trying to knock mayweather because i think he's an amazing fighter but i mean are you kidding like <laughs> he might be the best ever at, at making money right um, and he might be the best ever at, at, at marketing and selling himself. He was incredible at that. That he was TV, but but as a boxer, I mean, if you go back and you, you look at different guys, I mean, you know Willie Pep and, and, and Sugar Ray Robinson and you know Archie Moore, and I mean there's guys like Sugar, you know Sugar Ray Leonard, I mean you, you know Marvin Hagler, I mean Roberto Duran, like you, you look at these guys and the things that they've done over the years. I mean, come on, man. You know, Joe Lewis, Muhammad Ali. I mean, I I don't know.
1: Well, on that note, David, we know uh, we know it's almost midnight over there. So I keep forgetting that you're not on the West Coast with us. But um, you know, we 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 appreciate the time you, we you know, we've had you for almost an hour here. Um, oh wait, I think Mike wants to ask you one more thing. Absolutely. I just wanted I just wanted to ask you
2: before you go, could you uh recommend some fights for us to watch since you're a boxing historian during this lockdown period.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. I mean, look, we're talking about if you want to go old school, and we want to talk about some old fights. Um, So let's talk about, first of all, um, I was just talking about Willie Pep. So he was known as the Will of the Wisp, and he had a four fight uh, series with Sandy Sadler. And The first fight, when he went into that fight, Willie Pep was 26 years old. His professional record, just so that people can understand what I'm talking about, he was 134 victories, one defeat, one draw.
1: That was his record.
0: Okay, 134 and one. All right. Sandy Sadler was 22 years old. Guess what his record was? 86-6 and two. Okay. (laughs) And I mean, this was a brutal fight, and it was the very first fight that Pep was dropped. Um, he was dropped twice in the third, and and Sandy Sadler stopped Willie Pep in the fourth round. And you know, Willie Pep, he was just had the boxing skill. They used to say, you know, you couldn't hit him in the ass. You couldn't hit him in the ass with a handful of rice. That's how quick he was. Okay. And uh, <laughs> the second fight he won in a fifteen round decision, um, he he won back the featherweight championship. Uh, of the world, probably he was the best featherweight champion of all time in an absolutely vicious fight. Sadler took the last two; those are great fights if you can if you can if you can find those. Um, let's talk about Rocky Marciano the first uh, the first uh, time he got a title shot when he fought Jersey Joe Walcott. Um, uh, he was 29. He was 42 and 0. Okay, he got his first crack at the title. Um, this is in 1952. Uh, absolute incredible fight and um uh a left hook from walcott it floored marciano in the first round rocky marciano for the first time ever went down in his career um and i don't want to tell you who won so you can go ahead and watch it but it was uh an absolute one of the all-time great fights um and then of course you know ali versus frazier the the third one the thrill in manila um an incredible fight and that was actually the fight of the year in 1975 Um, if we want to talk about, uh, 1975, um, and two Philly fighters, I was talking about the, the, the blue horizon, uh, bad Benny Briscoe. He fought, uh, Eugene Cyclone Hart. They fought twice, but the first, now these guys, two of North Philly's toughest fighters, all right, they're middleweights, this fight over 11,000 people in attendance. Um, Russell Peltz, the, the hall of fame promoter was the, was the promoter. And uh, it was actually the, the runner-up for, for Fight of the Year next to the Thrill in Manila. Uh, uh, so speaking of the Thrill in Manila, it's also that. And, and to also to bring something in, they fought again, Briscoe and Cyclone Hart. Their second fight actually happened today in 1976. Oh, wow. But that one wasn't as good. The first one's really, really great. <laughs> um, you know, the, the era I grew up in was with the Four Kings. So mm-hmm. Leonard Hagler Hearns and Duran, I mean, there's no way that you can't put Leonard Hearns the showdown into mm-hmm. that into that list. I mean, that was that that was for the undisputed welterweight championship of the world, 1981. You know, Sugar Ray Leonard had one loss against Duran, and I just want to say, I know that a lot of people are going to think I'm crazy, but I think Leonard won that fight. But <laughs> whatever, I'm just Sugar Ray Leonard's my favorite fighter of all time, and I just. I think he won that fight. But anyway, he had one defeat. Um Hearns was undefeated. He was 32 and 0 with 30 knockouts, okay? And bro, that fight needs to be watched. Um and and speaking of Duran, you know, it's like Duran had a trilogy with Esteban de Jesus which was just, you know, these are again talking about the stories in boxing. You know, they first fought in 1972. They they had uh, fight at MSG. This was, this was Roberto Duran's first loss. Okay. And he fought to Jesus two more times. He beat him both times. The second fight, he knocked him out in the 11th round. The third fight, he knocked him out in the 12th round uh, at Caesar's palace. Um, but the story is so incredible because, you know, Esteban de Jesus was from Puerto Rico and obviously Duran is Panamanian. And there was so much vitriol and so much hate between the two um, and a, a lot of the 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 Puerto Rican fans hated Duran because of that but um, after the third fight um, de Jesús actually um, committed murder and he he got put in prison and his brother he used to he was he was an IV drug user and his brother caught HIV as did he and he was sick and he was dying and Roberto Duran went to the went to him, they, they actually, Puerto Rico let him out of jail because he was, he was going to, he was about to die. And, um, it was an incredible story and, and Duran, you know, hugged him. This was at a time when, when, uh, AIDS was, there was not a lot of, they didn't really know how you could catch it. And a lot of people thought maybe you could get it by hugging someone. And Duran showed love to Jesus, uh, by, uh, by hugging him and, and the Puerto Rican fans, like he, he won them all back, man. They love him to this day for that um Marvin Hagler right I mean what about uh his fight with John the Beast Mugabe um 1986 I mean incredible fight incredible fight and I'm telling you watch the fight but Mugabe was never the same after that fight <laughs> never the same after that fight um so many great fights I mean Salvador Sanchez one of the great Mexican fighters that unfortunately his life was cut short but I mean, his fight with 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 Danny Lopez. Oh my God. Bro, the featherweight, great featherweight championship fight, um, nineteen eighty. I mean, Lopez was the man going into this fight. He had like eight defenses going in, and everyone, no one knew who Sanchez was. They were like, oh, this guy's gonna get destroyed. And Salvador Sanchez just it what a what a fight. And and his last fight, Salvador Sanchez's last fight, that's a great fight to watch against Azuma Nelson, probably one of Africa's Best boxing champions ever. Um, that was an incredible fight um, for the WBC featherweight championship. Um, you know, Sanchez was just an incredible fighter with fast hands, great counter puncher, great chin. And when he won that title off Lopez, he did 10, 10 title defenses in less than eighteen months. You know, he died in nineteen eighty two, obviously, but uh, an incredible fight. I mean, Prior Arguello, Arguello, uh, Rafael Limon. Um, I was talking about that great era of the light heavyweights um, with Kawi and with Matthew Saad Muhammad and Eddie, Mo- any of those fights, Eddie Mustafa, Muhammad, those are all great fights. If you want to watch a really good fight, um, it was, it was called Pandemonium. Um, it was in 1986. This was uh, a Vander Holyfield fought Muhammad Kawi, Um And uh, oh my God, Cowie was known as the Cannon buzzsaw and <laughs> this was it was probably you know this your podcast is called The Last Round? Like I said, this was probably right. one of the last great 15 round fights, uh, in history. Um, you know, because that rule changed in 80 in, in 88, but this one this took place in 86. This was probably one of the last great 15 round fights, uh, in history. Um, it, it, great welterweight fight with uh, Simon Brown and Tyrone Trice. Um, Simon Brown was called Montequilla, you know, butter. Tyrone was, was known as butterfly. And, uh, you know, you know, referee Steve Smoger,
1: right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It's one of his first, uh, big title assignments. So you can watch that. Oh, wow. And, you know, that's, that's, those are kind of older fights, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of fights in the newer era, you know, even, um, we, we just did a fight in Phoenix and I told a lot of people about Hall Gonzalez one that, mm-hmm. you know, that Michael Carbohal Chiquita Gonzalez fight was really, uh, one of the greatest fights, I mean, for light flyweights to, 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 to perform that way was unbelievable. You know, everybody knows about, uh, Gaddy Ward, you know, um, but, uh, Mickey Ward had a great fight against Emmanuel Burton, Augustus, um, uh, Gaddy Robinson, that was a great fight. <clears throat> the first one, Gaddy Robinson, won is a great fight. Um, Gaddy fought a great fight with Gabriel Ruelas, um, Oh, Pauly Ayala and Johnny Tapia. That's a great fight. Um, man, great fight. That was in 1997. There's so many great fights. I mean, uh, you know, and, and it depends what you like, if you, what you want to see, if you just want to see guys bang, I mean, watch uh Brandon Rios and Mike Alvarado one. <laughs> Remember that fight? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that was a barn burner, dude. And Carson.
1: That's yeah. That
0: was a barn burner, man. That was a great fight. Um, 2012 man and uh oh god so many good fights i'm trying to think you know so many great fights between uh like you know uh fernando vargas and like you know mexico and puerto rico like trinidad vargas was a great fight um vargas winky right um trinidad mayorga trinidad de la Hoya, vargas ike um, man, so many good fights. Um, oh, you know, speaking of club fights, <clears throat> I did a club fight that became the fight of the year for ESPN. This was a good one. It was at the Roseland ballroom, uh, which is not there anymore in New York city. It was Pavel Wallach against Delvin <laughs> Rodriguez. That's a great fight. Um, really, really great fight. Uh, I don't want to tell you the outcome. You got to watch the fight. It was great. Pavel is a, a Polish fighter. Delvin's Dominican and the place was going crazy. It was on ESPN Friday Night Fights and uh <clears throat> it was it was a great great fight. So yeah, but man, there's so many great fights to watch. You can I could keep going, man.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely, but of course I'm sure our listeners and us as boxing fans of course appreciate uh you know such a long list like that in in this quarantine time that we're kind of stuck inside but uh <laughs> but uh you know david we w- we once again want to thank you for uh jumping on here the last round um go ahead and plug uh your social media um you know i don't obviously we ha- none of us have anything coming up in terms of events and stuff like that but you know go ahead and plug your social media your cigar lounge that most likely will open in in sometime in the future go ahead the floor is yours
0: well no I just want to say Danny Z and, and Michael Shepard thank you for having me it's it's been a real pleasure um, you know obviously uh, my uh, my social media is at David Diamante on instagram um, and I got a website you know just david diamante and uh, obviously my, my tagline the fight starts now um, that's that's where it's at but um you know i'm looking to to do something in this quarantine, maybe, uh, maybe like a little YouTube channel where I can talk about some of these fights or something like that or, or whatever. And, and so if the fans are out there, if, uh, if there's something that you guys want to hear from me, um, you know, let me know because, because I, I don't know what you guys want to see. So if there's something that you want, um, if you want me to talk about, like send me an email or send me a DM uh, on Instagram and, and let me know. Cause I'd be happy to talk about it. And, uh, just, I just want to connect with the fans because really without the fans, you know, we're, we're nothing. So um, and the fighters, you know, obviously uh, hats off to all the fighters and and I, I hope everyone stays safe. And again, Danny and Michael, thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's been a real honor and a pleasure uh, to talk to you guys. And I appreciate what you guys do. And, and you have some great guests. So so thank you so much for for asking me to be honest. It's, it's, I'm very honored for that. So I appreciate it, guys.
1: We appreciate that. You take care.
0: All right, man. The fight starts now
1: you got it I liked him man I like you know you know my favorite interviews are always the ones where we don't have to do any talking we just ask them the question and they they let loose those are always the easiest interviews right Mike?
2: yeah I completely agree Uh, definitely up there with one of my favorite guests we've had on in the 18 months we've been going nearly two years it is
1: yeah the fight starts now I like how he ended it right now right before he hung up uh, with his tagline tagline like that. Um but, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, you know, we're we're gonna most likely be doing the show remotely. Hopefully this sounds good. I mean it sounded good when we were kind of testing it throughout the last few days. Um but, you know, um I I think we should save kind of going into fights and stuff like that, maybe for next week. I mean there's nothing going on anyways you know, in terms of events. Um, so, you know, the more content we have, obviously I'm sure our listeners would appreciate it. You know, we're obviously, like I mentioned, um, initially, I think I mentioned it, that we're just here to try to provide content, uh, for you guys. Um, you know, especially the, 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 the frontline workers who have to still go to work every morning, every day or whatever, every night, every afternoon, um, you know, on your drive to work on your drive home. Um, you know, we're still trying to put out your uh, content for you to, to kind of get your mind off of the negative side of life that's currently happening. Um, but, Mike, go ahead and uh, let our listeners know once again where they can follow us.
2: At The Last Round 12 on Twitter and Instagram. And if you have any ideas of people you'd like us to interview, don't be, you know, just reach out to us. Send us a DM send us a message on any of our platforms and we'll we'll try to get whoever you
1: guys want right on the money right on the money so for once again i'm danny z for my co-host michael Shepard. this is the last round
0: thanks for supporting and listening to the show follow us at the last round 12 on social media rate review and subscribe this is the last round podcast